Hey guys, I just had an amazing chat with Gaurav Ahiti, who is the founder at Procall. We discussed about reverse auctions. We discussed about content creation. We discussed about how using a software can save you money, time, effort, and also help you scale. We spoke about mentorships. We spoke about so many different things. Gaurav is somebody I literally met five days ago. I've never met somebody five days ago and invited them to a podcast, but this dude was so interesting that I had to have him here. Flew down from Delhi for this, and it was an amazing chat. Do not miss this. I'll see you inside. Gaurav, uh, the place we met was interesting. How we met was interesting. The person sitting right, you know, between <laughs> us was interesting. Uh, we will we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, tell me about your life here before Procall. It's actually very interesting. So, I come from a joint family from Jaipur. Um, my father moved to Delhi and my uncle moved to Mumbai. And early on, I had always thought of, you know, uh, that I'll be working with a food business. Uh, eventually, turned out, I always was in computer science. So, while in college, uh, I didn't get to a great college. But once in, I only studied on my own. Like every kid in India, basically learns computer science and coding and design and rest of the techie stuff on their own. Mm. Uh, that's how I and a bunch of my friends did it. Mm. Um, during that journey, we realized that uh, I always wanted to be in technology. Started building and designing products. Uh, and that was the journey of me getting into technology. Uh, so we were in online forums where uh, there used to be all kinds of gigs. Mm. So I used to do a lot of freelance. Mm. Started designing websites when I was 15. Nice. And so since then, the passion just continued to evolve, compound. And um, once during my college, I got, because it was not a uh, tier one college, I got a lot of free time to work on my passion projects. <laughs> uh, so I built a bunch of products. Um, I got my first internship at Zomato. Oh, nice. And then... Um, you know, I got an offer to drop out and join them full time. Uh, Dipinder offered me. And, nice. Uh, Very cool. And uh, I decided not to take that up and eventually got into Google in New York. Okay. And, I was uh, wondering, so <laughs> like, once you turned on Dipinder, so matter where would you go, Google would be the right answer for that. Yes. Uh, yeah. So hindsight, uh, it was a good decision. But yes. at that point, my father had to convince me not to drop out of college. Uh, and so after that, uh, I moved to New York. Uh, I was there for three months. And then I joined a full-time uh, role at a startup in the Bay Area okay. while I was in the fourth year of college. Okay. So did that. And uh, right after college, I moved to the Bay Area. And uh, after three months, I quit my job. And, you know, I moved back to India. <laughs> and all this is what, three months here, three months there and you're back? Like six months later, you're back here? No. So three months of uh, internship, internship. And then uh, 13, 14 months of uh, my full-time job okay. with college. With college, okay. But then there was overlap of college and full-time work. Um, so I did that split time. Nice. And then um, moved to Bay Area, decided... Why did you leave Bay in three months? Like so India was uh, going through... This was 2016. Hmm. And demonetization hmm. had happened. And uh, <laughs> I had... We had... I, I was already building products and uh, decided that, you know, if someone could fund my idea, I would, I would definitely quit this. Um, because I always wanted to do more. My job did not allow me mm. to do more mm. than I wanted to. Mm. And so it was the right thing to do. Uh, nice. Once decided, uh, and so I met Nitin then, Nitin Kamath from Zerodha. Nice. And, uh, you know, he decided to uh, commit to our first project. And uh, Pretty cool. Yeah. Was your first investor? So not for the idea which uh, we are okay. pursuing now, but okay. for another idea. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he always uh, committed first. Nice. And then uh, we were supposed to get a lead. So Karthik from Bloom Ventures, mm. I pursued him for three years. And, uh, you know, Karthik loved then what we were doing um, and decided to 
start on a journey mm. with Procol. Uh, so this was uh, my journey before Procol. So did Nitin and Karthik commit before you left SF? No, um, nobody. Nobody committed. Yeah, nobody committed. <laughs> I decided, look, this is what I need to do. <laughs> and that's a, that's uh, a pretty bold move. Yeah, so two years I was doing IT services, right? Mm. So we already had projects lined up. Mm. Uh, we were working with tech companies who wanted product design and development mm. services. So me and my co-founder said, hey, we'll do this. Uh, he was still in full-time in his job and I quit my job. <laughs> nice. And uh, so this went on for two years. We were profitable. We were a team of five, six people. We're building 10 projects, hmm. 10 products we're working on. And then um, this Procol idea comes along. So what was the genesis of Procol? Like why did Procol as a venture exist? Was it a need that you felt yourself? Was it something like somebody like Anitin said, hey, this is an area of interest. How did Procol even start as a concept? It's a, it's very interesting. Not a lot of founders have this story, hmm. but I stumbled upon my idea. Hmm. I never thought this was my calling. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I believed that uh, we need to be solving impactful problems, mm. which is why we've been building tech products. Mm. And so while we were working, working with these enterprise companies, we always saw this problem of procurement. And so one enterprise company wanted that solved. Mm. And uh, when we built the MVP for them, we were amazed by the kind of responses it got from the internal users and the suppliers also who were using our product. And so we felt we had a golden opportunity. Uh, globally, this has been solved. In this region, it's not solved for yet. And so we go deep, understand the problem, and pursue this idea. Uh, we had no funding also back then. We got just the first YC grant, uh, free money. And so that 7 lakhs also was like, OK, now we can invest more in R&D a little bit. But we always funded ourselves from customer capital. Uh, nice. And so far, also, we remain frugal to not be burning a lot of money. But our customers pay us money to build products for them uh, and that's what we do. How did the name Procol come about? That's actually that's interesting because I always had the clarity of what we want to be doing. Hmm. We wanted to be revolutionizing how enterprises buy goods and services. Hmm. So we always were focused on procurement as a domain hmm. and function. And so procurement protocol became Procol. So we ah, wanted to reinvent nice. how procurement functions hmm. And uh, it will become a new protocol of functioning for enterprises. That's what uh, Procol. That's what Procol does. And who came up with the name? Was it you, your co-founder, somebody in the I team? think both of us did. We experimented a lot, but this was a domain. <laughs> a domain <laughs> like, which was available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny how domain availability defines. It does. <laughs> so domain availability and even the handles on social media it does. is a thing. So uh, uh, we at Equinox, we keep doing new things all the time, right? Uh, new projects, uh, sometimes it, we just spin off a new company. And many a times the name is literally defined by social handles and dot com dot in available hai ki nahi. <laughs> and is social handle available ki nahi. There's so many names were changed because social dot com hai social handle nahi. Aray yaar, nahi hai. I know. So it's pretty, <laughs> so it's almost a part of a protocol <laughs> yeah. when we're saying a new project or new yeah. thing. Is, is this available? Is this available? There's a website I found. I know. Name check. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that checks all this, right? Which is really cool. Or domains or social handles. Do and, and how many social out. handles? Like, yeah, yeah. Like Everything. it looks at like Twitch and I mean, Everything. It doesn't make sense for us. But Pinterest. Pinterest and so many things. <laughs> uh, you said that you got in touch with, uh, like Nitin is an investor. How did you reach out to your first investor? What was the process you thought of reaching out to the first one. It was just like a cold email, a cold LinkedIn No, message. so we were clear that we wanted to be doing something in fintech. Hmm. Uh, and so Nitin 
obviously was the inspiration who had built a legendary company in that space and um, you know we we ran multiple ideas before we got into saas altogether mm. before proco the idea of procol was to build a verticalized b2b commerce company mm. but then eventually transition into a horizontal software company mm. and that just because of customers coming us to solve for their horizontal problems rather than a vertical problem mm. and so there was just more pull for software than a vertical marketplace um and so if it would be in a vertical uh, b2b commerce company it would be a fintech company mm. because all uh, b2b marketplaces are financing companies correct so that was the original idea and at what point did you decide to so i'm assuming you started down one path yes what was the day you all decided what was the thought process in your mind yaar ki nahi yaar ye nahi karenge ye karenge oh my god every funders <laughs> <laughs> i think founders will tell you this all the time but uh every time we go out and understand hey customers are looking at us we are growing um this year we'll go 2.5 3x nice. last year also we did the same nice and so we realized that we are going to do which customers and the vision that we have aligned together and uh, we've realized that um investors look at businesses which are customer centric obviously that's what they aspire to back as well correct and so we've always been that uh, and so investors have bought in the vision of how we want to be building the mm. company so mm. they trust us mm. and i think i can be that founder who can fully transparently say that our investors are best in the country nice <laughs> nice so every time we talk to them um, every time we have a, we have a quarterly board discussion right. it's the most fruitful one for us and our leadership team to align together uh, and so we started doing that just four quarters ago and now every time this quarterly discussion we know how to align everyone together on a single direction nice um so how we did that is just having conversations from multiple people at customer end uh, and our team and we explain the same to our investors and they are pretty much always aligned that's pretty cool uh is utuni nitin or nitin and nikhil or just nikhil mostly nitin mostly nitin okay. yeah so uh, nikhil has now started wearing a new hat Yes, you would have seen recently. <laughs> of course, and uh, I- I'm loving his format. I'm loving the insights he brings in. It's I- beautiful. I saw only one video with uh, Nikhil in it, right? Otherwise, uh, sorry, Nitin. 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 And uh, the he's gotten this whole Joe Rogan vibe going oh, on. Oh yeah. Three, four people <laughs> around the you know, table, <laughs> and and the funny thing is, uh, we've been talking about it at doing it here literally <laughs> over there. right like setting it up over there because the discussions the interactions are so different yeah. when it's uh, four people yeah it's not an interview it's not, it's not like trying to go deeper into one person's yes. history background is just discussing a topic yeah I, i feel that that brings out so many valid points and it having no uh, restriction on time like one of the videos i saw with him pooja dingra and zohar and uh, you know riyaz amdani like a three and a half hour yeah. conversation and the funny thing is on the flight back from delhi the guy sitting next to me was watching that he downloaded on youtube and watching that and he was laughing <laughs> and uh, then he saw a smile on my face and he looked and like many of them are my friends i do that puja is a friend and so he was like oh that's so cool and so i've never met actually nitin and nikhil which i'm going to ask you to sure. conduct a you know sure. do a intro for <laughs> as you build a procol and you know acquire new customers what is one of the major hindrances in that acquisition process like what is today something that is stopping you and if you if you can solve for that you can suddenly go 10x yeah i think every founder again mm. uh, like every founder every stage has different problems mm. uh in the last 12 months 
uh, we've gone from like i said when mm. when i said 2.5x we were at we had enterprise customers mm. but we had a product which was not ready to scale we built a product now that's ready to scale nice. we have a repeatable gtm nice now we have to solve for the tam problem <laughs> we are currently one of the market leaders in india mm. in procurement technology mm. space uh we are moving into middle east and now us mm. uh so that expansion of gtm is what you're working on mm. uh, and that's the next frontier for the next 12 months and once you're able to solve that it's because end of the day your ops cost would not be as high as your cac yeah cac is going to be your yeah. highest right and i think in a product like this the stickiness of the ltv is just Two, three good. years yeah, minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Minimum. Three is our bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> so you can actually go high on CAC and still be okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, we want to be more than three x of CAC. CAC <laughs> on LTV. That, that's a good. That's a good yeah, place yeah, to yeah. be at. While you, uh, so right now you're currently your entire team is India based. Yes. Okay. And as you grow internationally, do you, are you going to put in local sales, or are you going to try and sell from here? Or are you trying to put local sales? So we already sold into Middle East from here. Hmm. So. Asia based regions can be sold from mm. India. They mm. are very reachable. Mm. You can just take a direct flight from Delhi to mm. Dubai, same as Delhi to Mumbai, mm. pretty or Bangalore for mm. that matter. Mm. Um US no, we don't think so. US we will have to invest in sales and marketing. Mm. Uh I will probably have to move much more frequently uh, to be doing that. But I think every founder goes through a journey. I've spoken to al- almost 10 founders from India, first scaled here and then went. But I think it's a journey. Every founder eventually India is on the journey to become that software market, but I think it's still three to five years away. Mm. But that's about it. Mm. Um, and at that point, I think we will be the leaders in the space that we are in. It's right. such a niche, right? Nobody talks about procurement software. <laughs> the more niche you are, the lesser competition you're going to have. Yeah. And the lesser competition you have, the faster <laughs> you can grow. But I think that the the challenge then becomes damn. Yes. Now in India, what percent of India, not in respect to competitors? but people not using an enterprise software still functioning in excel hmm. and you know maybe some very uh, local cheap software what percent of your tam in india do you think you've covered like 5% 2% 10% currently 2% 2% yeah and that itself would be a big number because yeah. the market itself is so large yeah right so the uh, at equinox even though we are called leaders in our field Yeah. I keep telling my team boss we've not even touched five percent. Yeah. Country इतना बड़ा है. Yeah. You've not even touched five percent. Yeah. Even though you may be the biggest because unorganized sector is so large, the unaware sector in our case unaware means there are food companies that exist. We work mm. at food and corporates. Mm. Corporates most people are mm. aware and they would do tests. Right. Which is and which is us is very good because we don't have to educate. Yes. It just we are there we are reputed it comes to us right yes. so that that's easier to work. In food. This and every food company needs to do testing. Every yes. Every food company <laughs> needs to do audits and you know training and da da da. Our, our time can be increased just by creating more education. Yeah, just educating people. Yeah. So we've started in the webinars. We started doing so many right. different things. Yeah, and um, a few uh, months ago, one of the international uh, leaders in the, in the world had come to acquire us. Okay, and uh, I was I'm like, why do you want to acquire us? I was very I said no, but yeah. nonetheless, before I said no, I'm like, let me let me understand why you want to acquire. He said, boss, we uh, he drew a little triangle and he said, here on top of the tier. we and three other labs like yeah. they and three other labs they like we compete here we compete for the coca cola absolutely the yes blah, 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 right the whole large accounts larger accounts but he's like as you come down nobody knows us and in case of food the triangle is not like this it's like this the tip is just 100 companies yeah the bottom is crores significant crores right yeah. 
and he's like the the way we when we come down nobody knows we exist yeah and he's like when we did a survey with food companies mm. the most recommended name mm. almost 90% mm. of people that they survey put our name out wow. even though they are not our client and i was like i didn't know <laughs> this <laughs> i didn't know this figure i was like what is like, that yes. not true <laughs> i'm like wow we should know this figure like how are we not doing this research yeah. right uh, so it's always interesting to see how that kind of uh, plays out what is your uh, you know five year vision for procol i think our north star is uh, how much spend we total manage hmm. at procol hmm. currently we manage around 2 billion dollars of spend wow 2 billion yes. with a b yes and oh. this is also with customer adoption of average 20% so within our portfolio of enterprise customers we have significant room to grow hmm. uh, by getting more wallet share hmm. and also new distribution in hmm. india hmm. we specific our 40% of our base is manufacturing companies hmm. and then infrastructure and construction real estate is hmm. uh, another 30 40 hmm. then pharma and other hmm. retail hmm. all industries hmm. make up for it but we work with typically large corporates in fact you know one insightful thing we found out <laughs> and there is no correlation but there is causation mm. that customers who adopt procol mm. we looked at the public uh, share price mm. when they signed up for procol mm. on an average the portfolio is up by 42% every year for these customers who adopt procol but that's not because procol or huh. procol that's because these companies are already growing fast and so fast growing companies adopt procol interesting <laughs> I was like one second. If that's true, yeah. everyone like Procol. <laughs> Every listed company like Procol. So we haven't marketed it like that, right? Because we know then as soon as we market that, it changes the gear. <laughs> <laughs> Now the expectation is different. Yeah. Are <laughs> share up or gay? Or not? Now we are going to take it. Like it's just yeah. I I like how you phrase that one. Uh, what do you think is going to be a trend in procurement which you are seeing but is not on ground? Okay, so very simple. I uh, comparing to the countries which have matured procurement teams mm. and uh, structures, op mm. structures. In India, procurement reports sometimes to finance, sometimes to op, sometimes to the CEO. Mm. Different functions altogether. Mm. Uh, in the US, there is a CPO. There are CPOs. Uh, there will be hundred CPOs in the country. Mm. That's about it. Mm. Um, in India, for a company with say five hundred million dollars in revenue, uh, there will be a team of uh, around twenty-five people mm. of procurement. Mm. versus in the US for 500 million dollar revenue uh, the procurement team size will be about 3 people 3 three people for 500 million dollars yes holy smoke so similar so huh. there are significant amount of efficiencies to be gained mm. in every single company mm. in procurement mm. to be working on mm. um, so we have identified that at least in this region mm. in the US um, while digitization for 70% companies are also still yet to happen um the larger companies have already been very efficient mm. um but that goes so that insight is not true just for procurement but mm. for all function mm. indian companies just have a lot more people for one particular uh saas companies for example also mm. like that Uh, so we think we are going to be solving for that efficiencies indians will be far more productive and working on strategic work procurement will be getting a strategic seat on the table for every single discussion out there and not just hey how much uh, did we negotiate with this vendor <laughs> which today is the metric like, how much did you say yeah. that's the kra kpi yeah. of any procurement yeah. how much did you say <laughs> yeah but uh, but talking about savings i'm assuming that when a uh, company moves to procol and yeah. y'all introduce things like reverse auctions oh, yeah. which, which i hate <laughs> because i'm on the You're other end of, of the reverse auctions <laughs> uh, i'm assuming there would be significant savings are you in a position to track those savings 
Oh yes. <laughs> because you would have seen that procurement before traditionally. Yeah. Versus, hey, next quarter, let's do reverse auction <laughs> and let's see what happens. So is that a uh, so one is are you able to track those savings? Absolutely. W- what are what what number are we looking at? Like across categories, you? yeah. So on average, say it's a raw material category, mm-hmm. companies would save up to two percent of okay. the raw material cost. Mm-hmm. Say it's a services spend, companies would save up to 15 to 20 percent wow. of their uh, services cost. Nice. Everything in between can, so 2 to 20 percent is what we tell our customers. By nice. adopting e-auctions, you can get this out. And every large company is going through that way, right? There is no question that this technology delivers. It does deliver. It's just hard to change the mindset of adoption. That's it. And uh, are you pushing this as, a, is it like an add-on? Or is it a part of the... Is it's part of the offering. So, of the offering. so, so we don't order. sell cost savings anymore. Okay. And you know why? Um, we realized this. And have you seen the movie Moneyball? By, yes. Yeah, Brad Pitt. Uh, and the, the full story revolves around the theme of the score takes care of itself, right? Uh, procurement is similar and what we've seen across now working with so many enterprises. Mm. Um, what we realized is if you build the right things and focus on the inputs of procurement, all your outcomes will automatically take care of itself. But focusing on inputs is so hard because it's so fragmented and unorganized that you're only talking about outcomes. Uh, the, the moment you switch your conversation to, hey, these are the inputs we want to move. What will lead and how do I track this? Your outcomes will take care. Now, savings are an outcome metric. Cycle time are outcome metrics. Uh, your quality metrics are outcome metrics. So what will influence these metrics is what ProCall determines. And you can change those levers based on your quarterly objectives. Uh, nice. So if it's savings, we will deliver savings because product can be uh, configured to deliver that as an outcome. So every company have different objectives. Correct. Large companies just have cycle time objectives, you know. Mm. The sourcing cycle could be 90 days. They want to bring it down to 30 days. Just to get the and PO. And savings. These are not savings. No. But overall, this is savings because, you know, as you forecast your PNL, there will be... Uh, you will take 30 days of forecast for just ordering and you will block more capital for your inventory. Uh, so now that goes away if you just speed up your procurement process. That's, I would not have connected those dots. That is, that is, <laughs> that is, pretty, that is pretty cool. Uh, when somebody buys ProCall, are you just digitizing their procurement process or are you also consulting them on like, hey, here are the four different types of things you're buying for this, you can use this. For that, you can use that. Or for this category, you know, reverse auction will work best. So is there an advisory service that goes with it or is it a pure place as? So it starts with pure place as mm. because companies don't have, even have the data of opportunity analysis. Mm. So doing that opportunity analysis requires you to gather quotations data, spend data. But because their sourcing activities are running on Excel and email, mm. they don't know. So our first objective is let's get the data on how do we get the outcomes, mm. which is why we get into with software first and then we add on services for many of our customers now. But not so much in India, but for outside customers. <laughs> India uh, value, I mean, services above a software, people are just... Yeah, they don't prefer. They're like free, they don't know. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the Indian, yeah, Indian yeah. mentality. We've done services. For example, for a bunch of customers now, we have outsourced the procurement process as well. Like we run procurement for them. So you just raise an indent in a system and you take Pro- care of the rest? The rest, everything. We will make sure you get the goods. <laughs> Loving where you're headed with that. So that could be pass? Procurement as a service. service. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> that is pretty cool. No, so I, I'm just thinking, like, in our company, procurement is a, is a challenge at times. 
because volumes fluctuate and we yes. can't always Forecast. start for peak. Yes. And uh, so I'm not, I was a product broker. <laughs> and as I told you, we were thinking of building it ourselves yeah. because we have a tech team in-house. Yeah. But also as for our dinner <laughs> discussion, doesn't make sense to build everything from scratch. And this actually doesn't attach to any of our operational tools. Right. So I would actually want to, I mean, post oh. this. I'm going to reach out to you <laughs> on your team. Say, hey, I want to let, let me do a demo. Let me see the wow. pricing. And uh, no, the, uh, in that dinner, that insight that did come out is you don't have to build everything. Yes. Right. There are some tools which are just, if, if they don't connect into to your core thing, like for us, yeah. uh, our uh, sample collections, our testing and all yes. this code. So that we've built makes everything sense. else, right? But this is technically non-core and if it's a ready solution and makes sense. Yeah. So why not just plug into it? Do you all also integrate with uh, other softwares? Absolutely. Okay. What what kind of softwares would be your in and out? So primarily the ERP. Mm -hmm. That that's where your accounting happens, right? Mm. So we need to ensure the purchase order happens in your accounting software. Mm. So that's the first entry point mm. to integrate. But then, uh, if your PRs are already generating in your ERP, we will integrate all your PRs directly coming to Procall, uh, and then your sourcing team, procurement team can pick it up from there. If not, then you start with the purchase process from Procall, mm. and then the PO process in your ERP. Otherwise, you can uh, integrate your master data, supplier data, mm. so that you have a, say someone joins your procurement team today, they will not be able to validate, hey, are these suppliers still working with us or not? <laughs> so they will take enablement time of at least three months to understand, hey, these suppliers are relevant or not, I don't know. Uh, so Procall can solve for such use cases. So in India, do you, I mean, I know that you would have asked this question, do you integrate with Tally? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because we work with larger companies, we never had to. Um, but for certain cases, we have. And uh, we can solve for that use case as well. Because Be purchase, yeah. Because if you ever go downstream, like little lower than enterprise, you come to the mid, mid section, it's tally all the way. Yeah, that's true. Like mid and bottom is just pure play tally. That's the reason our friends' yes. money's bought tally because now... <laughs> So now the, the conspiracy is that they have access to everybody's everything. Like they know where every business, all money is lying. Because yeah, has access to all of that. Right? So, uh, that's <laughs> but uh, no, but if are you ever planning to go down the value chain or do you just want to stay up in the enterprise segment? What what are your thoughts? Um, we go deep in mid-market. So smallers are getting bigger. Hmm. So your need of digitizing procurement just increases. So hmm. early on for every company, the promoters take care of procurement. Hmm. And they'll call supplier, I want to negotiate. My procurement team must just do technical stuff, but I will basically... So the smaller companies don't have a procurement team. Like yeah. I didn't have a procurement guy tell you like 50 people. Absolutely. That was me. Like, hey, yeah. kitna hai, kitna do, wo comparative bana Excel. Mein. I've done, I've been there, done that. Then yeah. I had a system to did it. So on and so forth. And I think when we were like 100 people, then we had a 50 or 100 when we got our first procurement guy. So, yeah. yeah. So we realized that... Uh, and now that you will go from 50 to maybe 300, 400, 500, the need for this will just escalate. And suddenly you'll be like, I can't run my operations without the software. Just like how on sales, you'll first adopt a CRM. Uh, and without CRM, you'll feel like, I don't know where these leads are going. Which is where procurement also, as your number of purchase requests start going up because number of employees have increased, that's when the need uh, emerges. So we realize that, hey, let's target, when I say 2%, I'm talking about companies with say 500 crores in revenue in manufacturing. Wow. Um, and so that was the earlier segment we started with. And that also was ICP in food industry first. So our earlier customers were Bikanirwala, mm. Bikaji. Oh, nice. uh, all of these were early customers for nice. Akshay Patra Foundation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So these are the, uh, and then we moved into other, because they said, hey, we want to auction for other stuff also. Uh, so. 
So did you all start out as an auction software? Did auction software. Oh, you started as auction yeah. software. <laughs> Everyone wanted to do e-auction, reverse auction. <laughs> we just want to reduce price. <laughs> and yeah, so not friends of the <laughs> people like us. <laughs> and no, so the the fun part of uh, reverse auctions and uh, whenever we get into reverse auctions, there is such competitiveness that comes out. Game theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I remember like almost every week we are doing a reverse auction or the other. And normally, let's say our price is example two thousand. Normally, now go below thousand five hundred. Reverse auction, me, ja ja, niche niche, it'll go to twelve hundred, thirty. Because you can see the competitor taking it away. Like, <laughs> hey, this crore order is going to go if I don't know the cost. That's true. Right. So I think that is a phenomenal way to kind of manage that. So it started out purely as a reverse auction. Software. That's so. And then you kind of built up yeah, yeah. the whole PR engine and the yes. whole thing on top of that. So does Procall also does do purchase orders or they always go from the outer system or can you all release PR? So we don't get into the purchase order because your payments are linked to your purchase orders. Mm. So without uh, purchase order being in the accounting software, your payments will not have any Correct. track record. So we prefer that company should be generating the purchase order within their okay. account. So the API will push it to yes. the your system. Your yes. will and now that we build downstream um, stuff like uh, account payables right mm. where you have to match your purchase order with your grn to your invoice this is called three-way match Correct. then there can be a four-way match where you will say that hey i want to pr po grn and invoice match oh. uh, only then because as you scale every process you'll realize that hey my leakage is still happening because the pr was never there why was there a po for this um, and but there was grn for this i don't know why so yeah we are solving for that piece now but that means you'll need to go end to end and just or procurement. No, so would you at one point just manage right from PR, PO, GRN, payables, and just push to accounting as a hey accounts? This has happened. That's what companies have done huh. globally. Yeah, that's, that's what procurement softwares do. Huh. Because account uh, is that have you already yes. said yet? No, not yet. Huh. I think we'll be there by next quarter. <laughs> huh. That's what I'm thinking because yeah. for me that would be the best. Yeah, I don't again want to have another system for a PO. Uh, current <laughs> software may or PO generated kind yeah. you know, because yeah. it's happening, which is not very efficient, doesn't look good, not as efficient. So I would look for a solution which does everything, integrates right from indent or so PR to payout. Tell me a little bit more. How does it currently work in your system? Indent yeah. goes to procurement. Yeah. Procurement will manually email three people. Mm. They get their quotes, manually compare the three quotes, negotiate <laughs> whatever this is, right? Uh, negotiate a little bit and orders released. Perfect. Right? So that this needs to get, the cycles need to get smaller. Bring in reverse auction where applicable. Yeah. Now if it's a, like a thousand rupee or 10,000, 20,000. Doesn't rupee, make sense. Reverse auction doesn't make yeah. sense. Hey, we're buying a 20 crore, yes. 15 crore machine. Yeah. Their reverse auction makes sense. Where yes. even the 2%, 3%, 5% saving you will get. Yeah. Huge. Everything right? over 2 lakh hmm. is large companies typically try to mandate over e-auction process. Hmm. That's what we have seen. Hmm. So there are procurement policies, right? Where does e-auction come in and not? <laughs> so purchase order over 2 lakh, there is an outsource e-auction team which nice. will do it and send the negotiated price to the procurement nice. team to create the purchase order. And so what is your model? Your model is a flat fee? Is it per order? Is it percent of? Pricing structure, you mean. Right, yeah. So... Um, for sourcing, hmm. we take uh, per seat how many procurement team members are there okay. because we know we are going to double their efficiency. Nice. Which means you are cutting down your own customer. <laughs> <laughs> but becoming more efficient, no. the tools are becoming four tools. Yeah, two yeah, only. yeah. And that's the right thing for the customer. Of course. Because, hey, you're buying, say, a marketing tool where your SDRs are going to be using a software. Uh, the automation is going to double their productivity. So you're going to buy that person. We know we are going to double the efficiency of the procurement team. Right. So why not? So it's a per seat basis, not... Volume basis. Yeah. Number of people, number of seats. Number of seats. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. That's pretty. But would it any time you shift that model to cost saving or? We've done that. We come from all of that into this. So yeah, <laughs> across those pricing models, we realize that we can, you know, offer way many more services to deliver cost saving, mm. and then it'll be uh, really well off mm. where we will be running procurement as a service. And so when we are doing procurement service, we do charge cost savings of because now it's our ownership to get the delivery. Mm. Um, but that's about it. But that's something that's coming up. So. It is. And uh, what if a company is not using a software, mm. what are they missing out on in procurement? Everything. <laughs> I think uh, companies who are have right, they have strategic advantage mm. in general. Mm. Because now they can scale their operation significantly faster than their competitor. Mm. Uh, if a competitor does this first, they will be able to scale more. So your ability to scale is your operational ability to scale, right? How, how fast can you get your purchase orders fast out? I need more orders fulfilled for my production to happen, for my business to scale up. But companies that don't have that will continue to invest in hiring resources for procurement teams, which is not very fast then enablement of them and it will slow up the full cycle of your growth. So, so procurement being actually the roadblock in your growth path. Yes. Especially for faster growing companies. That's a, yeah. that is so a, companies would say, hey, I have a 10 member procurement team, but I need to triple in the next three years. I can't unless I triple my procurement team. Tripling procurement team is impossible. <laughs> and 10 to 30 would be... It would take time, take enablement time. effort, and then something would work out, something would not. They'll say, hey, I'd use Procol, I at least double my efficiency for this. Nice. What is a piece of advice you would give a startup founder when it comes to fundraising? That's very interesting. Where does this question come from? A lot of people, a lot of founders who I talk to, they find the whole process of raising funds very intimidating. Yes. They, uh, many of them actually say, oh, I don't think my business is fundable. And I think that's BS. Yeah. Right. Uh, and many of our, my, many of the people I work with are food companies. Yes. And I also land up talking to, because of networking and all, to a lot of other uh, founders across the you know, different sectors. And a lot of them have this, and especially first time founders, have this mindset that, Raising funds is difficult. Yeah. Over the next three years, I'll just be running around pillar to post begging for money. So should I rather just focus on my business or should I run for money? Yeah. That's that's the trade-off. So I want to kind of understand from founders who've raised money. Yeah. What was the mindset that they had? What? How much time did it take? Yeah. Like, is it really as difficult as everyone makes it sound? Right. Right. What are some of the tips and tricks you can do? That's, I'm just trying to pick your brain on that. Look, when we first started, we also did not know. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so it both was, of you are first time founders yeah both of ah, us are first nice. time founders both of us have worked in early stage startups Correct. very early funded so we have interacted with investors mm. but we never really raised funds mm. and I did not know what that is going to be like the only thing we knew is all the public content that was out there on fundraise um, and I spoke to a bunch of other founders who had done it um, one thing I can for sure say is that decide on your stage what stage you're in because the type of investors you want to be raising at every stage are different. I, I'm assuming your advice is coming for most first time early stage founders, seed stage founders. Yes. I'd only recommend them one thing, be clear that about PMF and no PMF. 
because founders themselves can be delu- delusional <laughs> about uh, hey do we have pmf or not um so 0 to 1 investors are very different than 1 to 10 investors mm-hmm. and um 0 to 1 investors can help you actually get to 1 faster 1 to 10 can help you scale faster so for us we were clear that because we had paying customers we had pmf in the thing we were pursuing so you're we profitable early on when we raised our first round of funding so it was a function of hey we proven this this mm. this risks are lower mm. uh, and that's what we presented to the investors um now um if we if there is a new founder starting the same thing or new thing and i recommend this to people in my community network who are trying to raise capital just identify who are the right people for you to work with mm. the one thing that has worked really well for me is just going after the people i was inspired by mm. kartik and nitin were the first people i really wanted to work with <laughs> and you got them both yeah uh, so it was just chasing them that look we are trying to do and i think you'd be interested in this and just have a chat give me feedback so and, uh, b- before you met them did you have a product market fit like you all you had the traction and no, you had the no. you didn't okay yeah. because mm-hmm. you're still doing e auctions yeah. okay <laughs> we were doing e auctions we were building the product we were we were changing ideas constantly mm. we were still looking for validation mm. so when we actually ra- went out in the market we never went out to raise capital mm. we went out to get feedback mm. to get validation as first time founders we tend to seek validation from investors and not the market <laughs> i think that's the most <laughs> i think that's the biggest mistake first time founders make um because yeah the most advice should come from your market and not investors i think um, you should go back to the investor telling what you've learned because mm-hmm. that's what investor will also value more exactly because they are looking for insights of what is happening in the market uh, i just think the conversation should be more about feedback and uh, what is happening in the world rather than hey we want to close this capital <laughs> close this round <laughs> yeah so uh, i've done a fair bit of uh, early stage seed capital investments and uh, the funny part is uh, so i've met maybe close to 1000 founders and seen 1000 presentations so the the funny part is many of them come to me or uh, to most you know angels with the idea they have some uh, proof of work and they're like oh we need your help to grow this i'm like uh, <laughs> so one of my mentors put it really well he's like you can either have my money or you can have my time you can't have both yeah <laughs> right so that's a very classic classic line so i've started using that now whenever possible like you can have my money or you can't have my you can't have both that's so if people haven't many times if they don't have a clue of where they're going they're like oh we want to work in this space yeah but we'll figure it out together and we need your help yeah i'm like if you need my help operationally then you don't you need me as a co-founder you don't need yeah. an investor right so there's yeah. a difference yeah and many times it can get that line can get blurred yeah. right so uh, while that I, while i say that you can have mentors yes somebody who bounces off an idea once in Absolutely. a month, once in a yes. quarter saying hey i did this years what i found what do you yeah. think yeah. versus tell me how to do this for sure which is very different right yeah. and the beauty i've seen in good mentors or good leaders is that they will never tell you in absolutes yes they will tell you what line of thinking to use hey have you explored this have you thought about that what is the long term vision <laughs> what happens if you do 5x on this you know so they give you these models yes. to kind of work on yes. and these you know the thought provoking questions and the whole socrates way of like you know you they'll help you figure out the answer they'll not give you the answer they'll Correct. ask you the right question yes right so that has been the something that, that shows good leadership of a man absolutely yeah, yeah. right so that is something that all my mentors will all no, none of my mentors have still now told me do, do this. this like yeah. this It's like, have you thought of <laughs> this? Or if you had to do this, what would you do differently, right? So today, morning also the conversation I was having was like, hey, how do you go 10x in two years? Yeah. 
that's a very powerful thought exercise absolutely right but yeah. it's a very good way of evaluating a lot of ideas it's a very good way of saying hey we're working on the seven things are all these seven things a part Going of our 10x journey oh yeah, it's not actually no. only these three are yeah so it's 80, a good way of just filtering out 80, you know, 20, performing 80 20 yeah. you know principle right so if you were to restart your entire journey again what would you do differently I actually, um, we re I recently completed five years as a first-time founder last nice. month. Nice. And so I published my three learnings. Among all things that, you know, my, what this journey was like as a first-time founder specifically. Um, and so I talk about three things. Mm. Um, the first one is uh, judgment is the biggest superpower. Mm. Uh, and wrong judgment fuels good judgment. Uh, oh, I like that. <laughs> so I think... Um, it would have been better to be having mentors from the next stage of business rather than, hey, very late stage, large entrepreneur CEOs who I was speaking with back then. It might have been better people who have gone from this stage to that stage. What did it take? What were the failures I'm going to make? What can I avoid? Um, so that, that uh, this is just good, ju good judgment. You can avoid pretty much a lot of time of your life by just being write about small things on who to hire, mm. who to raise from, mm. who to uh, work closely with, what to prioritize and mm. so on. So judgment mm. is a superpower. Um, second, don't start, I wouldn't start um, multiple lines of, once you have capital, the biggest challenge is prioritization because uh, you can do, hey, 100 things. And so we did four things together. I would never go do four things together ever again. I would do one thing, I would scale that, out of the ballpark and uh, just grow really, really fast on one thing. And now we are at that stage. We've shut down everything else and uh, nice. let's just do this. Uh, and third thing, I would say being more decisive. Uh, as early stage founders, um, there can be founders naturally who are very decisive. Mm. But, um, and you know, Obama publishes this, that if decision making was just about logic, then everyone would make decisions. But as you're running your company, uh, most decisions are not zero or one, very mm. clear. Mm. So there can be ambiguity. But at that point, if you can take a judgment call and be decisive, on it's, is it zero or one, then you will run faster. Uh, so just to have that momentum faster, you sh have to be more decisive. Uh, uh, if This is my last question to you. If there was one, not if, what is one productivity hack that you use that allows you to work better, faster, stronger? There's something you're doing differently that possibly you only didn't do earlier, like when you're younger and now you're doing it and you're like, that's a game changer. So many things, right? Then uh, tell me three, if there's so many, then tell me more, <laughs> I would love to know more. Uh, this is for me, these are, these are points that I absorb personally, so this is my backyard. So, I plan my weeks well. Uh, mm. So, also in a quarter, I'd just pick one thing. Mm. So focus f is the first thing mm. that comes along mm. that, hey, this quarter, what are we going to solve? You can't solve for 10 things in every quarter. You have to solve for one thing, which can be your North Star. If we solve this, we'll be better off next quarter. So that um, for doing that, be decisive. And then to do that, it's just prioritization of... So, you know, every... When we talk to our customers also, they tell us how will we gain this efficiency and speed? Uh, how can we be more productive? Mm. Because that's what we do. Mm. Mostly it comes down to prioritization. Mm. Focus, prioritization, and then your task management, everything. Um, and so I don't have golden words here. 
I can. But, but I li- I liked what you touched upon saying that hey, just have one quarterly not stuff for yourself. Yeah. Not four things, not five things, not annual. I think quarter is a long enough period. It's short enough also. It's long enough also. You can if you achieve if you are able to achieve four medium-sized problems or big problems if you are able to solve in one year. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Huge thing. It's yes. a huge thing, right? lot of us get bogged down a lot of founders and including me in my early days used to get bogged down because I'm like okay this is what I want there's seven different things you know, fires to fight we have to add a new facility we have to do this that that we are adding new machinery there's so many different things that you're doing that you're not able to focus on solving the biggest problem because yeah. there is a biggest problem yeah. but there are also so many other smaller problems and yeah. you get bogged down with the smaller problems you don't get time to work on the yeah. you know the big hairy one which is silly they're like I'll come to it later because it's very big and we don't know we don't touch that so earlier also we were talking about you know eat the frog kind of approach, yeah. right? But that was on a daily basis. But I like the eat the frog on a quarterly basis. Like what's the biggest thing to solve that can move the problem? So that's going to be my personal takeaway from this. So every meeting I have this one thing that I'm like, you know, what's the one thing I can absorb from this person? Yeah. And reapply in my life. And for me, it would be having a quarterly North Star problem to solve. It can be a metric. Yes. It can be sales, whatever it is. Yeah. Sometimes it's, and for me, funnily enough, in the maybe last 12 quarters, it's not been sales. It's been other stuff. Yes, right? Which I is, know. So while I've done this, I think I've not narrowed it down to one. One. I've always worked on, and if I, my memory serves me right, I'm seeing my board in my office. There are like eight, nine of these that I'm working on at one given point. I think the advice I'm going to take away is just do one, finish it. Maybe we finish it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe then pick up another one for the yes. next uh, no, uh, three months. Thank you so much yeah, for taking out the time. I know we met literally on Monday <laughs> and we're sitting here. And uh, you know, I think there's a big thanks to Edge for that. Thanks to even Ankur at our table was fantastic. What a human. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I was very impressed. Before I met him, I was impressed by his uh, social skills, yes. you know, how he does videos, a YouTube production, all of that. So that's one account that me and my team would, you know, we always look, look at and see like, how are they doing things? Right? We take a lot of inspiration from that account. But from him as a person, when I met him in person, it wasn't the social, wasn't the YouTube, yeah. anything. Simplicity and yeah, the, the the his discipline, blown away. I was. You missed curiosity. <laughs> curiosity to thai. What is curiosity? But uska jo discipline hai. Yeah. I, I'm a hats big off. fan. Hats off. And uh, the way he was conducting himself, the simplicity that he had. When I asked him, what's the most difficult thing? He's like nothing. It's yeah. All of this was simple. I was like. Anyone else would have been like, no, no, it's this, and it's international. Da, da, da. He just kind of broke it down saying, it's not so So I really love that about him. What was, what was your favorite thing about Ankur? Both the things that he mentioned, curiosity and discipline. Hmm. I think those are the traits of any successful person in the world. Uh, curiosity, inherent curiosity. You can't train this. It's a characteristic skill. Uh, and discipline can be trained, but it's very hard to implement in real life. Everyone knows these two things too to be true for becoming successful, but nobody adopts that. <laughs> so I like his approach on um, just following his own advice. He's, he's genuinely nice. <laughs> and no airs. Yeah. <laughs> like, by the way, uh, one thing, uh, it was a formal event and I got in last minute. So I came like this. Yeah. <laughs> and he was the only other person like this. And I was yeah. like, thank God. <laughs> There's no person who's dressed like this. And uh, but uh, that event was fantastic. I got to meet you, you know, thank you for uh, and coming. Uh, we met in Delhi, four days later, we're sitting in Bombay. So thank you for coming out here for that. And uh, I'm going to definitely try profile. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I will ask for a podcast discount. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the problem is solving is something that's very unique. And uh, it's 
problem that almost ev- not almost every business has and i'm very sure at some point in the future you will be launching a smb version <laughs> of this because uh, it, maybe the cat l2 may not work out yeah <laughs> i'm aware but if through word of mouth if the cat is free yeah that could work then maybe no yeah. <laughs> then maybe you may have a light version of robot yeah. right because the base is so large yes and if you are able to help that base procure faster cheaper save money 5% even yeah. 10% even yeah i think that the change that you can bring into a company to a founder to a team can be uh, drastic and i don't i don't personally know of any other software trying to solve that problem you know that way so i'm i'm personally seeing a lot of uh, you know scope for that up up the pyramid also but also down the right. pyramid so uh, thank you for that thank you for coming out for this and wish you all the very best no thank yeah. you for having me this has been a pleasure <laughs> thanks a lot